My guest today is the founder of Owners Box, an innovative sports tech company disrupting the way the consumers play fantasy sports. Please welcome my guest, Sandy Plashkas. Sandy, thanks for joining me here today. Of course. Yeah, it's nice to meet you as well. And I know Michael Stakand. I know him well. I did went on his podcast and I saw he posted about you um, as the listener of the week. So cool connection there. I love the kid. Been on a few pods with him. He's a good dude. Yeah, Michael Stakand on Our Futures. Super, super awesome. So Sandy, you started Owner's Box. Could you tell us a bit more about that? So I started Owner's Box. So the goal with our product is within the fantasy market and the gaming space right now, it's it's one of the hottest sectors in the world. It's growing like crazy investment dollars, you know, you're seeing acquisitions all over the place happening week over week. It's pretty crazy to see. So first of all, my passion for sports tech in this space, I actually had a podcast while I was at university, a smaller scale one, where we would interview business leaders across multiple different industries and get insights into, you know, different entrepreneurs and their mindsets as younger as younger kids, right? And so that was kind of for me, I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur, but I didn't know exactly where I wanted to apply that skill set. So one of the interviews I actually had with, with one of these guys who does NFT sports card trading now, and he's really big into that space. And as you know, as you've been following the industry, I'm sure um, it's been growing up pretty crazy right now. So he was actually in the sports tech space, does a lot of marketing with sports agencies and stuff like that. So he really inspired me. Um, he told me a lot about you know the landscape and stuff he's been doing um, with his company. And I really knew from that day forward that I wanted to get into the sports tech space. And my passion for sports has been, you know, for two decades almost, I've been growing up watching sports. I played football, baseball, basketball growing up. I was always into it. So, and I've been playing fantasy sports. So that's what we do, fantasy sports and gaming. And my whole goal is with this industry, fantasy sports is already very popular, but my goal is to add a layer of social engagement and community to to the platform. So really what I bring um, is that youthfulness to the platform and my goal from day one has been to create an environment where fans, you know, they don't have to go to stadiums. They can play on our platform and engage with each other, with, you know, people they don't even know and actually play in these contests and win money while also having a great experience on the platform, you know, through these group systems we've created, through the ranking systems, kind of like esports, which you've seen a big growth in uh, as of late. So kind of integrating aspects from multiple different industries into a fantasy product was my overall goal for this company. Yeah. So for those of us who don't know, what is the difference between esports and fantasy sports? So esports is around video games, right? And obviously you can, uh, you, you play video games competitively against other teams. But what fantasy sports is, it's basically taking real sports leagues like the NBA and the NFL, for example, and you draft teams based off of these real players, but they accumulate points based on a scoring system that you set. So for the basketball example, you accumulate points by scoring points, getting rebounds, getting assists. And then we have a system that tracks all that. And basically you draft a team for someone else and you compete head to head directly against them. And the player with the most points at the end of the week in our format wins the money and obviously wins other rewards as well. So it's basically like you're a, a general manager of a team, but you're picking players from all different teams across the league into one team and competing against someone else on a public scale. So it's a very fun and engaging format. And obviously there's a lot of money surrounding that as well. I mean, that was actually my next question. We're like, where does the money actually come from? Where's the revenue? Is it sponsorships, ads? So the revenue model is for each contest entry. So in order to play, we offer a free-to-play version and also a um, pay-to-play. So basically how it works for the pay-to-play is you pay an entry fee for each contest. So for example, if you and I were going to do a draft head-to-head two-person, we'd each put up, let's say, 10 bucks. Our revenue models, we take 10% of each contest entry. So in this example, owner's box would take 1% 
or sorry, 10%, which is $1 of the $10. And then for you, they would take $1 off your entry fee as well. So that's how, and it's an industry standard. A lot of companies like DraftKings, FanDuel um, do the same model. It's a very successful model. Um, but that said, you know, we're looking to expand our reach through our content as well. We're really passionate about that. You know, engaging sports fans right now, sports content and sports betting and fantasy content is going to grow like crazy in 2021. So my goal as a younger entrepreneur is really to get in the door with this content, you know, whether it's strategy content, you know, more just general sports knowledge content. I really want to expand that side of the business as we go through 2021 for sure. So Sandy, I saw that you have an investment from one of the greatest NFL stars of all time. I'm sure he was a hero of yours growing up. How does it feel to actually have him on board as an investor? Yeah, for me. So growing up, I was I was actually a quarterback when I played. I played in college and in high school and growing up my whole life. And I was always, Drew Brees was always one of my favorite quarterbacks to watch. And he's been around. He's been one of the biggest legends, one of the best to ever do it. Breaks passing records and all that stuff. So I was well aware of who he was, obviously. But, you know, I knew a lot about him. He's actually from my area in San Diego. And I knew he was a, you know, an investor in some of these tech companies around the area. So I actually just sent a cold email. It's actually a crazy story, a cold email to his agent. And I was like, I'm working on this really cool fantasy sports company, really trying to engage a younger audience and grow this thing um, in the weekly fantasy space. And no one's really participating in this space at the moment. Ultimately, it led, I, I had to send a couple more emails until I finally got to the guy. And then one of our current board members actually had a lead to him. So I got in front of him, had a great call with him initially. Um, and they obviously vetted him. We had his financial team on a few calls and we were seriously vetted and ultimately got on a phone with Drew, which was a crazy experience for me as someone who, you know, idolized him for, for years. So when we got to him, we presented our idea, you know, where we were working on. This must have been six months ago and we've only been launched um, probably for about seven or eight months. So it's, it, we're relatively early still, but the vision of where we want to take this is, you know, very powerful. And I really believe in what we're doing here. And that's ultimately what Drew saw as well from, you know, where are we now and where can we take this, you know, over the next three to five years. So that was kind of his incentive for getting involved. He's an investor and a spokesperson for our company. Um, now I'm talking to his agent all the time. It's really crazy how this uh, really all progressed, but it's cool to have him on board. It really validates our company and what we're doing with our product. And obviously investors, partners, all the people that you know see what we're doing with Drew, obviously um, see the credibility and really see the vision. So definitely a big piece for us and our team over here is to have him on board and obviously scale up that um, sponsorship deal we have with him and, you know, do a lot more stuff on the marketing side with him going forward through this year. I know it's insane. And congrats. Like I can't imagine what, is, what it must be like to have like one of your childhood stars actually invest in your own startup. I mean, that's just crazy. So have you had any other sort of outside investment, any seed rounds or anything like that? So we raised a seed round initially before Drew was involved. Um, and then now we got, we had a special round for Drew, which we brought him in because he came, we got in front of him after our seed closed. So we had a we had a smaller financing round with a small group of individuals, Andrew included. So we've had our seed round, and then we had a seed two, is what we called it, a little smaller raise. And then our goal now is to show some breadcrumbs and some progress and raise a much more substantial round here in the next month or so. So it's really you know getting back into that fundraising swing. One of the things I love to say, and a lot of my mentors tell me, is as a startup founder, you know you're you're never stopping fundraising, right? Even though you might have just closed the round, you're always in fundraising mode. And I've really found that as great advice because. 
although we've closed a few rounds here, it's not, you know, it's not a process that stops. So I'm always doing outreach, getting in front of the right people, both from a fundraising side and a strategy side. So that's kind of what we're looking for. Our, our ideal investor is someone who is really aware of the space since it's such a young environment, it's really growing rapidly. We want someone to come in and really support our vision and also help us scale with partners and, you know, other ventures and avenues we want to go down. So that's kind of where we're at right now, just trying to show some, you know, extra breadcrumbs to raise that higher um, round here soon. So you've been doing this for what, less than a year or so, right? So no, we started the cut. We've been live. Our product has was launched in September of 2019. So we've been live for less than a year. Um, but we founded the company in summer of 2019. So it's been almost uh, a year and seven months now, pretty much. Well, you guys have achieved so much since you started. I mean, you say less than a year ago. Have there been any like major wins that you've had that like any sort of standout moments that just made you feel really, really proud? Yeah, so we have a couple industry partners. So one of the big things in our space for fantasy sports and esports and gaming in, in general is having, you know, partners validating your product. So a lot of our partners we have now, the Fantasy Pros and Rotowire and, and uh, Roto Baller, there are three just to name off the top of my head, but they initially saw our product and, you know, being one of the only weekly or the only weekly provider in the space, we were, you know, really ears open to experts in the space who have seen multiple other products on the daily fantasy and season long fantasy side. So for us, you know, getting validated by them seeing our product, wanting to partner with us and do all these things on the marketing side was really a big win for us. But ultimately we really believe from day one in this product, it's just about scaling the user base up at this point and really growing that partnership avenue, you know, talking to different sports teams, getting in front of them as well um, as the, you know, the barriers for the legal side in the States um, get lowered here as they're doing right now. So kind of going forward, our goal is to really expand on the partnership side, but a big win we had was seeing, you know, these long-term, you know, partners really love our product and give us great feedback. Have there been any major sort of setbacks or mistakes that you've made along the way? Yeah, for sure. You know, from my background, um, you know, I'm really passionate about the marketing space and all this stuff, but you know, there's been hiccups in the product, you know, timelines like that we've had to adjust. We're actually rolling out a new game type here within the next month but there's always testing setbacks. So one of the biggest challenges we faced with COVID-19, we were actually planning to raise a bigger round um, in March um, before we launched in September um, of last year. And we really were confident in that. But obviously with sports schedules, our product relies on sports playing. So one of the biggest challenges we faced was in March of last year when sports completely shut off, right? So we were going to go into our beta period where we're going to onboard five to 10,000 users and let them test the product. We actually had to delay that three or four months. So that was kind of... One of the bigger challenges we faced and, you know, having a great group team members here, we were really confident in still doing what we had to do, but there was a lot of adjustment that had to happen on the product side, obviously from a testing standpoint. And then, you know, the marketing slash hype phase of what we wanted to do, we really had to adjust on that side. So I would say, you know, I'm really happy that we went through that challenge. I think we learned a lot about the business and, you know, where we, where we want to go with the product. We did lose a little bit of testing time through that, but ultimately got to where we are today. And we're, you know, past that point almost. And I'm very confident that, we learned a lot from that process and are, are very set to go forward, which is awesome. How has COVID-19 affected your company? Because I know for, I mean, technology companies like Facebook and Google, uh, Amazon, obviously it's affected them in a very, very good way. Um, yeah. So how has it affected Owner's Box? Yeah. So for us initially, it's a great question. I'm actually really happy you asked that. So in March and, you know, February, end of February, early March, when it really came on, NBA started, started first, canceled their season. We were like, oh my gosh, like we're in trouble. Like we really got to adjust. Like if the other league shut off, we're not gonna be able to test, blah, 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 and all that. But what did happen is 
through the process, as you know, fans are still not even back in stadiums, right? They've been out of stadiums for a while. So you're seeing some of the bigger players in the space virtualize the fan engagement experience. So what that did is, you know, sports betting interest went through the roof. You're seeing record numbers month over month. There was a billion dollars in sports betting handle in New Jersey two months ago, and it's a record by a mile. And you're seeing states now see those numbers, other states that are not legal, push the legislation through faster. So we're going to see right now, there's only, you know, there's a handful of states that are legal and the, there's mo- the majority is not. But what I really do believe is COVID has forced an environment where fans want to be engaged past just being at the game. So whether that's playing fantasy sports, whether that's sports betting, whether that's, you know, engagement around these, all these tech companies are building engagement around the sports that don't require you to actually be in the stadium. So you're seeing crazy, crazy revenue numbers coming out of these platforms. And I think that overall for this space has been a great thing. And I'm very, you know, very ecstatic about what's happening. I definitely think COVID in the long run was a very, very positive thing for the industry. You're seeing more transactions than ever before. You're seeing states push legalization. You're seeing sports teams like the Denver Broncos have a partnership with BetMGM to have a betting suite in the stadium. Like you would have never seen that five years ago. And I think that, I think COVID really uh, sped up that process ultimately. And I think looking back on it definitely was the positive for most companies in this industry, if they could, you know, withstand the initial um, stop of the sports schedules, I would say that. How important do you think social media is for startups? I think social media, as I said, you know, content, I'm I'm a huge believer in creating content and, you know, whether that's social content, you know, podcasting content, whatever that may be, I, I think it's essential. And what we're doing is we're, as I said, we're very, very early, but we're deploying strategies. Like if there's a new platform that out there that I want to check out, I want our company to be on it. And like, as a, as a younger founder, that's what I bring to the table. Um, and I think a lot of younger people are all over social media trends, right? You're seeing people go on clubhouse. Now you're seeing the TikTok, you know, how that grew like crazy. And I think we have a, a stand up on, you know, the older generation of people who might not be as quick to react. So my goal is to always be up to date on that stuff. And obviously my team on my side on the social media side is all over that as well. But I definitely think having a Ford presence and creating content ultimately that fits your brand and fits your audience is the most essential thing, especially at an early stage to really grow that organic audience on top of, you know, what whatever you're selling your product through, right? I think just having that medium where people can check you out, see your personality. Like that's what we want to do is have personalities around our brand. So people be like, oh, that's that's the guy from owner's box, blah, 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 right? We just want to create enough meaning behind our content. So people want to keep watching it, keep returning and ultimately play our product in the long run. So that's really why I believe in social media ultimately. Yeah, and I think right now is a fantastic time to start taking social media, but more seriously, I mean, with, with uh, TikTok and stuff like that. I mean, about a year ago, I got TikTok and I put out a video that got, I had about 10 or 12 followers at the time. And the video got, I think it's on like 80, 80 odd thousand views now. So on Instagram, that would just never, ever, ever happen. What do you think the future is going to be for the fantasy sports industry? Yeah. So what I believe about the fantasy industry, and you're seeing it with sports betting right now, a lot of people, it's the hottest topic right now. And fantasy, it's fantasy, um, fantasy betting and they're like the same vertical really right a lot of the companies do both i.e a DraftKings does started with daily fantasy ultimately pushed the legalization and got into sportsbook same with FanDuel. started with daily fantasy worked to sportsbook so i'm seeing a lot of opportunity with in the fantasy market because we're weekly right we're the first to do the weekly concept and i think that's where 
we have a big opportunity because companies are really focusing on sportsbook and pushing sportsbook. While I still believe there's tons of innovation to be done in the fantasy space. And you're seeing there's a lot of cool companies out there doing cool innovation right now. And I love, you know, to see the industry working together. And that's one of the best parts about this industry is people work together. The, we're a team, right? We got to push the legalization for the, for the sports betting side and for the fantasy side. Obviously the fantasy side got pushed a few years back, but now it's the sports betting, right? And now everyone's all over that. So I really believe in the fantasy industry. I think there's a lot of innovation to be done. And ultimately down the road, um, companies like like ours, like smaller companies at this stage we're at right now, will be able to get into sportsbook once these bigger companies fight these legal battles and lower the barriers. So we're really confident in this industry as a whole. Um, I think right now with the virtualized experience of, of viewing sports, I think there's never been more need for stuff like this for platforms like what, what we're doing um, on the fantasy side and sports betting platforms as well. Um, I'd say the same about esports. I mean, it's only going to grow like crazy. So I love the fantasy market. I think there's a lot of innovation to be had in long run. Um, yeah, we're going to be doing cool stuff going forward for for a while, for sure. What kind of advice do you have for a student right now? Someone who's in first year, second year, maybe graduating even. What advice do you have for them going into 2021? One of the best, so just in general, one of the best pieces of advice that I got as a student, you know, through high school and through university was find a mentor, you know, don't, don't look through someone in your close network, like do some outreach, talk to people in industries that you're really passionate about. So for me, as I said about that podcast story, while I was at university, I met some guy, I just reached out to him, send him an email and he hopped on the podcast. And, you know, that really spurred my interest and my passion for what I'm doing currently. So I would really say, find that mentor or find someone that, you know, can really advise you early on and, you know, just talk with them, nothing formal, right? Just run some ideas by them, you know, talk about their experiences, kind of soak in as much as you can as early as you can, right? There's no, there's no problem starting. If you're a freshman, first year at university, you can, you know, start talking about what you want to do after university with people who are already involved in industries that you want to get into. And even if you don't know what you want to do, you can still talk to people that are successful and just see like, Hey, how was your path? What was the challenges you faced? What, you know, what could you recommend to me as I get ready to leave school? Like that kind of stuff is what I was doing. And a lot of people, you know, do the same thing, but I, I would say that's the most powerful piece to someone in university or even someone in high school who's looking for, you know, some direction on what they want to do, or if they want to start their own company, talk to someone who's done it. And that's just the best way to get all this information you need. So you've got a team of around what, 20 people. What's it like to actually see your company grow like from one person or two people maybe co-founders from an idea into 20 people 30 people like what does it actually feel like and how is it to actually manage that it's insane you know i actually got so you know snapchat sends you memories right i got a two year ago memory of it was me and my two other co-founders and it was just the three of us we started this and our office was literally just ripped up carpet no desk nothing no laptops no computers and now i look at it now i just got back and i'm seeing all this activity happening. It's its so positive. I mean, that's what keeps me going every day. Um, I would say the hiring post process is a lot of work, but that said, you know, our goal at this stage is to find the right people, you know, whether we're hiring a dev team, we have everything in house. So that's really been one of the forefronts of our responsibilities early on was to hire the dev team right off the bat. Um, I don't specialize in dev. I was still sitting in on those meetings, but that's kind of our first thing was hiring these devs to make sure we can build the platform, both the mobile and website. Um, and then on the marketing side, you know, we're, we're doing this intern campaign right now where we're hiring university students, whether they're, you know, third or fourth year is usually our target, but just university students who are hungry to work in this industry, you know, to create content. I want, I want a body of people who are passionate about this space, but also creating relevant content in this space. So I've been going through uh, that intern interview phase right now. Um, it's really cool to see all these people that are so passionate about this space. It really reiterates to me that, 
we're doing the right thing. And I think there's a lot of people hungry for the platform we're creating. So I, I really love the process. I love meeting new people. I love connecting with people. Um, and I think the hiring process has introduced me to some really cool people over the, over the last year and a half. So really exciting process. It does take a lot of my time, but ultimately our goal is to find the right people. And in order to do that, you got to put the time in and really engage and connect with these individuals. All right. Well, thank you so much for doing this, Sandy. Appreciate it. Hey? Yeah, Mylon, I just want to say I appreciate for you having me on and love what you're doing, man. I'll be tuning into future episodes. I think it's really awesome. <laughs> cool, Sandy. Thank you. Cheers. Have a good one. Cheers. See you. Bye. A huge, ginormous, massive thank you to Sandy Plashkas of Owner's Box for joining me here today on the Founders House podcast. If you haven't already, please like, follow and subscribe us. Wherever you're listening to this on, it'll really help out the algorithm. I'll see you next time. Cheers.